there's this tension where the marketing crew is like, you gotta show your personality and you gotta show up as yourself and people will be attracted to you as a person. But don't say something that's going to turn people off or don't talk about politics or don't whatever. So what do you want? You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. I am Jill Giovanazzo, co-host and co-founder of the Visionary CEO Academy, and with me today, as usual, no surprise, is my partner in life and the business, Brianne Dick. You know, Jill, I feel as though we're going to have a lot of fun this episode because we're just going to be saying the same word over and over again. And I'm just hoping that by the time the episode's done, it hasn't lost all meaning entirely. Considering there's a, quite a few words that we tend to do that on a fairly regular basis, how about you you tweak me on which word it is that we're focusing <laughs> in on today? The word that first really made me notice how you could repeat a word so often until it lost all meaning. And I don't know why this word, but it was nurse. And I remember because I was in like middle school or high school and it was just struck me that this is such an odd word, like the vowel combination and the consonant combination. It just, it was really confusing to me. And so it just, sometimes you just use words and you use them so often that they lose. Don't look at me like that. Come on. You've had this experience. Yes. Nurse. It just was weird. Okay. My mom taught nursing. So for me, nurse, nurse was just a word. You say nurse over and over and over again. Trust me, it starts to sound really strange and lose all meaning. It just does. I feel like we're going to go down a buffalo route here pretty quick. You you have to say it seven times. You say buffalo seven times in a row, then that's actually a full complete sentence because it involves all the different parts of speech. See everyone? That's exactly what I was saying. (laughs) Let me Anyway, is the word anything like values? Yeah, it is. Value, values, all of the V stuff, which if you've been listening to this season so far, it's probably not a surprise that we're going to be talking a lot about that. But (laughs) I feel as though this one's going to be the most, like I said, linguistically twisty version of this, because we're not just talking about your values, but we're actually going to talk about how your values involve and inform your value proposition. And so it's just all value here all the time on the Visionary CEO podcast. It's value packed. I thought that was the point. So, hey, we're in alignment. (laughs) It's all good. But no, seriously, we talked a little bit about this in episodes one and two specifically with regards to just talking about values and how so many business experts use like lists of values or specific value or mission statements to signal what their companies care about with regards to like hot button issues and how performative that can be in the day to day because they often fail to follow through and walk their own talk. I mean, there are a few things that frustrate me personally more than, you know, values driven initiatives that are performative. And I think part of the challenge comes in is that a lot of people are like, okay, I want to have values being expressed through the business, but how does that actually help me make money? And so, you know, last episode, we talked about the tension between being able to have the business grow while you still have a life and while you still express your values for around things like self-care for yourself and your team. 
But I think the same thing comes out as you start to look outside of what's happening with your own team and you're starting to look at how am I providing value to clients and how am I doing that in a way that actually is going to be putting forward what we want in the world? How do we make money and grow the business and have our values be essentially central to that rather than tacked on? Yeah. I think up until this point in in this season, we've talked a lot about value and culture as it applies internally and as it applies how we, you know, speak to our external audience. But the idea of of then that's great. And that's missing the one facet, as you were saying, of how does our culture inform what we do with our clients and the impact that we have on them and the impact that we are guiding them to have on their own clients and their own businesses, right? And this is where that idea of value proposition really comes into play and the value of what we give versus the value of what they receive and all the things that come into all of those values. There is this idea that the values are something that you add on or that they get tacked on or that there's something that happened when you're doing your strategic planning, but they don't show up in that quote unquote value proposition side of things. But today I really want to focus on three business owners who have found a way to flip that on its head and who actually said, okay, we know we want to be doing meaningful work. We want to be creating really substantial and transformative results. So what if our approach was to actually look at how can we express our values through the value that we give? And the first person that I think exemplifies this really well is Lisa Mannion, who it's fun. She she told us that her clients call her the business marketing architect. And I think it's such a, a fascinating place to start because marketing is one of these places where it can be really performative or it can be an opportunity to have your values be like completely infused into the work that you're doing. And you really have to get this right in order for it to work. And I think Lisa's a really good example of that in terms of what she shared with us. For me, values equal value. And it's all in how you position your value proposition. And I see so many people missing this. So being really clear about what your agreements, whatever, if it's a package or a service, whatever it might be, that it's spelled out very clearly, but that you're also upfront sharing results that other clients have received, painting that picture of possibility with um, social proof. Have other people gotten results? What have they been and what's possible? Because I firmly believe that price doesn't really matter when you're really clear on your value proposition. In fact, when people come to me and they're challenged and they say, oh, I don't want to have to overcome objections and I've been taught that I have to do all that. I'm like, well, here's the thing. When you get your value proposition dialed in clearly, you don't ever have to overcome an objection because it's so clear about what you do and what you have to offer. That's just eliminated. And the people that want um, you to overcome their objections are simply not ready. I will never try and convince someone to do work with me. I love that last sentence, right? I will never try to convince someone to work with me. Because how many, how often do people do that? How often are entrepreneurs, business owners, sales and marketing experts chasing after revenue, chasing after sales? And in a lot of cases, as we said, in total misalignment with that value statement with the culture of the business. But I think that's what's really important here is 
what Lisa is saying isn't that it's intrinsically wrong to handle objections on a sales call, right? Like it's not intrinsically wrong. It's a choice. And it's a choice that you may feel strongly about one way or the other, but it's also a situation where you may feel ambivalent about it, or you may feel as though I don't know which way I land on this. And that's the place rather where people get themselves into problems because they start listening to people who are saying, oh, you have to do sales this way, or, oh, you have to do marketing that way. When the truth is you have to know what your values are in order to be able to express that. And Lisa says that for her, it's about not dishonoring the person that's across from her and allowing them to be able to make a decision and not try and be convincing them and doing those kind of things. And that is based on her values. Another person could equally say that I value having the opportunity to look at a business and see something that they're not. And for me, it's really important to tell them the truth about what I'm seeing and to be able to say, I really think you need this thing and to handle objections from that frame. Neither of those is right or wrong. It's just a matter of what are your values. And thereby, right, with that same idea that we talked about a couple episodes ago, what are your values? When you're showing those values, you're calling in people who are going to be sharing those same values with you. And as such, right, as she said, price doesn't really matter when you're really clear on your value proposition, because when you're speaking out there, speaking those values, you have that clarity on the value you're providing and the value you're asking for. You're calling in automatically the people who are going to be aligned. When even within that idea, right, of price isn't an issue if people really believe it, that is an expression of a belief in a value set that Lisa has. And someone else could equally have a different belief about those things. When we talk about values, we often talk with our clients about how it's not about having a value that everyone is going to agree with. The more useful values are actually ones where I might have one set of values and I'm going to run my business in alignment with that. You might have a different set of values and you run your business in alignment with that. And what that allows is for your customers to have the choice and to be empowered to find providers that do align with their own values. And what's so fascinating for me is as we start to go down that path and you start to think about showing up your values in front of your audience, in front of your clients, oftentimes it's uncomfortable. It's Mm -hmm. scary. It's unknown. It's unfamiliar. And business owners, we as business owners sometimes get afraid to showcase those values up front because we're worried. What will our customers think? What if my competitors are doing something differently? Mm -hmm. Being different isn't always a good thing. In fact, quite often, again, going back, hearkening back to our childhood, how often being different in school was a bad thing. You were called out, you were vulnerable. And that vulnerability often got you in trouble. But now coming into this, stepping up, showing that difference, showing your values really allows people to take ownership of that and make that next step and make that change into being a really culture and value aligned business. And I think when we talk about giving our customers the choice and giving our customers the opportunity to buy based on those values, if you have a value for empowerment, if you have a value for diminishing 
power distance and you want people to be able to make choices from a place where they feel like, yes, I'm making the decision based on what's best for me, then actually going out there and showcasing your values up front is a way through which you are promoting that value in action by being willing to say, I trust the customers to be able to make a choice based on whether they align with our values or not. And so it's like the values reinforce the values in terms of how you show up in the market. And this is what I love about this season and talking with these business owners is hearing things from their side and hearing their perspectives and how they've thought about some of these things. And Sandra Holling, who is an individual that helps entrepreneurs and executives design their workflow and systems to feel organized, have peace of mind and prioritize what matters to them. She's got a really great name for that anxiety that I was mentioning uh, just a little bit ago that many of us experience when we're sharing our values with the world and with our audience. First of all, empowerment is an inside job and comparisonitis is a disease. And, and I think that sums it up right there. Like I'm not here to compare myself with anybody else and I'm going to do everything in my power to help other people stop comparing themselves with other people because we are all unique creations. We're special snowflakes and we're allowed to be special snowflakes. It doesn't mean our businesses need to accommodate every nuance of a special snowflake. Like you can empower yourself to take care of that uniqueness with a commitment to not do harm, with integrity and transparency and those core values that we keep coming back to. And and I think that's just it, right? Is number one, I laughed when she was like, We're all special snowflakes, right? Talk about <laughs> I did a <laughs> term. Talk about a term that's usually left for a pejorative, like, oh, you're a special snowflake, but we are all unique. We're all different people. And what so often happens is there's this tension where the marketing crew is like, you got to show your personality and you got to show up as yourself and people will be attracted to you as a person, but don't say something that's going to turn people off or don't talk about politics or don't whatever. So what do you want? Do you want me to show up as my full self? Do you want me to show up as my version of a special snowflake, as Sandra is saying, or do you want me to show up and trust that when I'm showing up in the way that aligns with the values that the company has and the way that we want to be showing up in the world, that will bring the right people to us. And not just the right people to us, but in in capitalist society, one of the things that we're taught is to look at our competitors, look at the competitors, Mm -hmm. see what they're doing, see what value they're providing, see what Mm -hmm. costing it's going to have. And if the value proposition doesn't seem to be equatable or the pricing doesn't seem to be equatable, then you risk losing business. Yeah. It's like go and do a market survey and figure (laughs) out what your competitors are charging. And that's what you should be picking as your price point, because it's like this idea that all companies are created equal and every product serves the same group of people within that market. So mm-hmm. therefore, they're all exactly the same and you can line them up beside each other and compare them like widgets. Yeah, yeah. And they're not widgets. We're not widgets. Businesses aren't widgets. Nothing is a widget except widgets. But even <laughs> widgets are. I'll just stop if you're, Yeah, I was going to say, unless you're actually building WordPress themes that have widgets built in them, you're probably not dealing with widgets. Now there's a word that we're repeating over and over that loses all meaning. (laughs) Widgets. 
let's go back to the values word and talk about that. Well, and it's so interesting for me when we start looking at individuals and businesses who are putting their values forward, who are looking at these things from this perspective and bringing in the customers that do want to give value for value, right? The customers who are looking for an authority, who are looking for a company that opens itself to those opportunities in a meaningful way too, not just ones that's doing it as this kind of performative piece so that they can find someone Mm like-minded. They can find somewhere that they fit in, that they are, they can be distinct within. That's a key thing for me. When I'm looking, like coming at this from a consumer perspective, when I'm looking for someone to do a service for us, I'm looking for someone that is going to showcase the values that I want to see when they're interacting with me. If I don't see that, I'm less likely to go with you. We get into this situation where people start conflating value with it has to look like a certain delivery model or it has mm-hmm. to, again, it has to fit into that certain price point. And you know what Sandra was talking about with that comparisonitis, what can be scary is when you start to intentionally make choices that fly in the face of what your market is doing because your values are taking you in a different direction. And that can be a scary thing, but it can also really serve to set you up to be attracting, as you said, more of those right aligned clients And that is something that's really easy to say until you actually see it work in action. It's almost too good to be true. And I know Kachina Goslin had that experience where, you know, she is a client of ours and Jill, you and her had many conversations about how she was going to start to do things in a way that, yes, they were aligned with her values, but they felt totally in contradiction to the way the market was going. And why don't I just let Kachina explain what happened next? The irony for us is that as we've raised our rates, we've attracted more clients who actually want to pay us more. The last few applications for our services, they wanted to buy into our VIP. One of the things that I've been working on with Brienne in VCA was to actually realize the immense value that's in our mentorship program, our group program, where people can be held accountable to owning the process and delivering the results. And that was really difficult for me. I think I had a lot of people pleasing and needed to work on boundary setting. And so as I looked at my business model through the lens of VCA, the value map, and what was actually adding value to our clients, we had to learn that, yes, we were service providers, but our clients actually got more out of the program, the more ownership they took, the more that deeply they understood the process and the principles. So one of my challenges actually be that we're shutting the doors to our VIP services. We now have a wait list for the first time ever. I'm really trying to sell that group program because it's one of the things I enjoyed the most about VCA. And also it's allowed us to, as service providers, go back to our core values within the team and say, if we don't people please and we stay true in integrity to offer the value that we already have, then we can be confident in our delivery and actually teach our clients how to continue without us after the program is done. So that was really liberating for me. It really allowed me to see how we could scale our impact and then be more firm in the value that we're offering, bringing to the world in achieving the missions of our company and not just being emotionally 
you know, divided between all of our VIP clients, which was an enjoyable experience, but too limiting in the long run and actually hampered our ability to achieve our dreams. Tension again, right? Serve more people, be aligned with your values, do things in a way that creates the results you want. And I think it's just such a good case study that Kashina is giving us. It's about saying, okay, these things seem to be at odds with each other, but the right and best path for me and for us is to find where those things actually align and where they actually intersect. Because that's one of our values is that there's always a better way. And whenever you find two things that appear to be in conflict, the better way is to figure out where's the point where those things are not in conflict. Yeah. And then not just figuring that out, but tying back into a little bit of what Kachina was saying and a little bit of what we were talking about last episode with regards to habits is to set those boundaries in place that when you start to actually implement and apply the intersection to your work, that you stay within those bounds and you don't let that tension pull you down one path or the other, pull you down this dichotomy of this way or that way when it's really about the intersection and navigating through that. I don't know if you've ever seen it with magnets. I don't know. I'm a science geek too. Sorry, all who aren't <laughs> science geeks, who aren't into STEM, all those things. But if you've ever had two opposing magnets and you push them together and how they push each other apart, you can set them up. If you have three of them, you can actually set them up in such a way that you can balance the third one in the middle between the two, mm -hmm. just from the opposing forces, mm -hmm. right? And by doing, that's exactly what we're talking about here. That finding that middle one is in that intersection point. And you can do some really awesome things once that intersection is found. We talk a lot in marketing and in business about you have to find your USP, your unique selling proposition. You have to find your value <laughs> proposition. You have to do these things. And I think what gets lost in that is people forget that the unique part of the unique selling proposition isn't just in your method. It's not just in the tools you use or the techniques you use, but it's in the thought and the energy and the approach that is informing that. And that's creating that situation where what you're creating, Kachina talked about, yeah, we could do this VIP service, but we really believe in the power of collaboration and of being able to offer something where people can come together and be able to do this work in you know a way that is different and and better in their opinion than trying to do it solo and on their own and that informed a uniqueness in their offer which is still high-end service but it's being done in a way that is unique because it's coming from their unique differentiated values and add on to that, right, the unique team that they've built with all of the various uniqueness that each individual has in their own zone of genius. And it just, it creates this interesting tapestry of how all of these pieces come together and how having these differentiated values, having these different opinions from people, having these different viewpoints, having these different clients all come together. And it becomes a multiplicative factor that it just, Im the impact just grows and grows and grows. Yeah. And I think too, 
as I'm reflecting on on what you're saying here, Jill, what occurs to me is it, it's so hard when your business is first getting started and you're first, you're just trying to figure out what will work and you end up experimenting a lot and trying a lot of different things. And we know that in order to become scalable, you have to do more of what works. And it can be a hard transition to go from this experimentation mode, which honestly gives a lot of people those positive I think Kachina called it the people pleasing dopamine mm-hmm. hits, right? Mm-hmm. It's we like we like people pleasing. We like making other people happy. And that's what the early stages of business are all about is oh, I could do this for this person and this for this person and this for this person. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yeah, I can do yeah. that too. Exactly. And it can be this situation where again, we talk about habits. That's a habit that so many business mm-hmm. owners come in. And without the strong grounding in the values, it makes the boundaries and the things you're saying no to versus the things you're saying yes to feel very arbitrary. Whereas what Kachina was saying there is, no, now we have these values and the entire team is bought into these values. And therefore the entire team is, no, these are the people we serve and this is how we serve them. And we don't need to go beyond that and be breaking our own rules and going outside our boundaries because we found something that's more important than that desire to people, please. Yeah. And by doing that, was it, I think it was last episode where we had one of our business owners talk about broken cup. I think it was Erica. Yeah. Erica talked about how you can't, it's not just that you can't pour from an empty cup, but you certainly can't pour from a broken cup. And so imagine all these times that you've been saying yes is all of the water, all of the tea leaking out of the cracks of that broken cup and how much less you have to focus on the people who are in the cup. You seal up those cracks, all of a sudden your focus becomes more intense Mm -hmm. and more driven. And it just goes so much further. Yeah. And that is where your values and your value proposition ultimately come in alignment and they start reinforcing each other and they start strengthening each other and you can identify this person is a great prospect or this person is not a great prospect and you know it right away and you are seeing it coming through in your marketing and it's showing up both in the explicit and the implicit way and your quality of your products and services how you're delivering isn't based on what you're comparing with from other people but it's based on the the values that you hold and the way that you know and believe is the best way to serve your customers and those are the things that actually make your business unique and ultimately will help you grow in the way that you want. And so that's how today's word of the day values relates to the value proposition. Now, we're not going to end there. Next time on the Visionary CEO podcast, we're going to keep exploring how your values, guess what? More values can attract new clients while helping expand the professional relationships that you've already built. I was going to make the values joke about how we managed to get through the whole episode without making the word completely meaningless. But Jill, you stole my thunder. Maybe next episode, we'll just completely destroy all meaning from that word. You'll have to come back and listen next time to see if that's what happens. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for honoring us with your presence and allowing us to share our values with you in terms of what you know we were hoping to bring to the world. From the unceded territory of the Qualicum First Nation, I'm Brianne Dick. She's Jill Giovanazzo. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. 
thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.